Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the Sustainable Development Goals and the Roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoy today's SDG Talks podcast. Hello, everybody. Today, for this episode of the SDG Talks podcast, I'm going to have on Darshita Gillies, who is the founder and CEO of Manch, which is a platform leveraging technology to enhance the impact of capital. So Manch is all about connecting capital from philanthropic funds, impact investment, uh, corporates, to project opportunities that are framed around uh, SDG impact. So charities in different regions around the world uh, who are doing great things and putting these boots into the SDG framework, connecting them with the right capital. So. The platform was launched in 2018 and now Manch works with over 700 partners across 15 countries and are looking to continue scaling that and continuing to make it easier for both those with capital looking to to realize impact uh, actually distribute or invest that money and those who are looking to acquire capital uh, with an easier process. Quite a lot of these charities have to go through due diligence with separate funders, multiple funders, and having it all on one platform makes things a lot easier for them. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Darshita where she goes through everything about the platform and how she got there and where she hopes to take it. So I hope you enjoy this one. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for coming on to the SDG Talks podcast, Darshita. It's great to have you here on a Monday morning. And great to hear that you celebrated the Indian New Year over the weekend and uh, got to have some time off from um, from the grind that is startup life. But we are here today to talk about Manch, or Manch um, which is the platform that you have started to try and enable uh, investment, sustainable investment into um, yeah, sustainable causes. And I won't say too many more words about it. But what I'd be interested in hearing more about is your background. I know you, you trained as a chartered accountant. You were raised in India. Um, and now you find yourself on the board of several non-profit organizations. How did you find that transition and um, how did you end up where you are today? I think if I put it in like one sentence, I would say it's a it's a quest for a purpose-driven life. And whenever the answer has been no, I have moved to the next challenge. Um, when I was in India, uh, we grew up in a very humble household. And for me at that time, primary priority purpose of my life was as a family to evolve ourselves um, from where we were to where we could be and education and working in a um, um, in a large corporate was one way in which I could get there and um, uh, yeah chartered accountant it just happened and um, uh, my friends were studying to be accountants and I said yes all of them failed I passed three <laughs> and, years yeah, that's right. And um, and India uh, Chartered Accountancy is quite a competitive exam. A uh, hundred thousand students write the exam. Only a thousand pass. Everyone else fails. And of the thousand that pass, the top fifty get a national merit. And I was amongst top fifty. And that really opened up the most uh, amazing doors in terms of opportunities to work with some of the brightest minds in uh, in India. Mm. And I started my career with Standard Chartered Bank. And um, I. I really enjoyed the work. I think many people say like, oh, banking, I sold my soul and now I'm finding the next thing. For me, it was the opposite. I really enjoyed banking. I loved what I did. And 
And yet there was a felt sense that I was more than what I was being in that context. Mm. And it was that sort of quest for what more can I do? How, how, what, what more is possible is what led me to where I am. And uh, before my question was, you know, my family was me, my little family in Mumbai. Uh, now the question I ask myself is, what if the whole world is my family? And we have these large challenges like poverty. It's not just me with me and my family. It's, it exists as a global systemic challenge. Climate change is a global systemic challenge. Um, so my, my question to myself now is, if I embrace we, the larger uh, global family, uh, and all the other sentient beings, the plants and the uh, diversity in other life forms, um, then what, what is it that I can do to, um, to take us to that next level? And for that purpose, I created Munch. And for me, Munch is a vehicle through which I can bring all these diverse parts of me under one umbrella and, and build and work from there. Mm, amazing. Mm-hmm. That's a very, um, a very detailed answer. And maybe you could then go on and say a bit more about Munch and, and what the ultimate goal is there and, and maybe how you are planning to execute that. Yeah. Uh, and I started Munch when, um, when I saw that the UN Sustainable Development Goals, um, the SDGs, maybe I should step back and talk about the SDGs very briefly. Uh, In my view, the SDGs are the world's to-do list for the next 10 years. And they are um, the goals that were obviously agreed by 193 nations uh, in 2015. But what I find about the SDGs um, compelling is that it is not a single person or a single entity saying we need to go here. It's uh, the leaders who we have authorized on our behalf to to talk about these things have chosen these for us. And I was part also of the um, uh, framing of the SDG process. So I know a lot of them quite intimately uh, in terms of how their evolution has happened and how they've actually been incorporated into the SDG framework. And well, every year since 2015, I've been going to the UN presenting the UN statistics data on how countries are progressing on the SDGs year on year. And I would end my talk by saying we need to invest in technology that can enable decision makers to have these data sets when they make decisions. So they cannot say, oh, if I knew I would not have chosen to do that. And um, as a consultant, it can be quite frustrating where you you have these amazing ideas, yet you have no leverage or no uh, executive ownership to actually take these ideas into action. And that was really the compelling moment where I asked myself in the Christmas of 2017, do I want to spend the next year going back to the UN presenting um, new data with new trend lines, but then having the same uh, outcome uh, analysis? And that's when I said, let's, um, I wanted to start Munch. Munch means platform in Hindi. And the essence of Munch is to really unify the impact ecosystem globally. At the moment, we give money, we invest money. And this money given or invested has impact on people. It has impact on the environment. And we are not joining the data up in a way that we can make meaningful sense of where funding is going, where funding is not going. And how do we ensure that we allocate funds in a way that enables us to build that future we want. And I've designed Munch with that blueprint in mind to enable more coordination, collaboration, and uh, systemic sharing of clean data among different stakeholders. Mm. And and then you've spoken a bit about how they it's all about connecting capital with uh, with potential impact projects with sustainable development. And I know that the the business itself is divided into these two halves. One is all about supporting these impact projects, taking philanthropic funds or taking uh, donations, you could say, from corporates, and actually yeah, driving these 
um, charity projects and the other is all about sustainable investment which is with the interest of profit but with an environmental social lens um, and yeah, I'm really wondering if you would be able to break down these two halves and yeah, how they interrelate or if they are two sort of separate entities. Yep. Uh, to me, you, uh, impact is one unit of impact. There are many people who play a part or many organizations that play a part in enabling that impact. Governments play a role, businesses play a role, investors who have invested in those businesses play a role. Um, when the corporates create a foundation, there is a joined up interest there. When the foundation then gives to a local charity uh, and the charity then enables beneficiaries on the ground, to me, impact is uh, enabled by an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And and that's what we've done at Munch is we've we've brought this holistic look or the sense of we're all connected uh, overview and and built that into our dashboards. And what that means is that through one business and through one structured way of approaching impact, we can actually cater to multiple stakeholders while they are doing different things getting them to see where they are unified and where their actions are interdependent and joined up. Mm -hmm. um, so we have, like you said, and like I said earlier, we have the giving, the MGIVE platform, which is primarily for um, all the stakeholders in the philanthropy ecosystem, the charities and the funders. And then we have the M Invest platform, which is primarily for investors and corporates. And in this way, we, uh, whilst the rules of engagement are different in these two sectors, mm. um, impact that they generate is still the same. It counts mm. towards the SDGs. And mm. in this way, we are able to create unique interfaces for charities, unique interfaces for funders, um, for corporates, for investors, and yet we're able to join them up around mm. their impact. Mm -hmm. And so then what's done with the money that's generated on the, on the cash flow side, on the, um, on the non-charity platform? Um, so we actually don't charge on, on uh, we charge for the use of our technology. So we don't charge for the transactions. We don't have a transaction fee model. We have a subscription model. We see ourselves as a technology provider that provide and data and intelligence provider that gives um, uh, democratized access to impact data to all users who use um, the Munch platform. And all the monies we receive we actually reinvest back into um, further enhancing the platforms and um, and and keep on developing. We we are seeing a huge rise in ESG mm. and um, uh, lens through which uh, funds are being allocated. Uh, in my view, ESG is not enough of a measure. The it's just the start point of an impact journey. Would would you call yourself a social enterprise? Yes, uh, definitely. Uh, we we exist in order to enable society to to have impact. We are also a benefit corporation, uh, a B Corp, certified B Corp in the UK. And this is again a badge that we have acquired because we pay a specific focus on uh, environment as well as society. And also our articles uh, have been modified um, mm. so that we are not just shareholder focused. Uh, in our articles, we've modified to become stakeholder focused, and that we. We do take care to ensure that people uh, internally, i.e. employees, but also people externally and the environment are taken into consideration mm -hmm. when we make any business decision. That's really good. And congrats on the B Corp status. I know it's a Thank huge you. thing in America and hopefully bigger in the UK in the future. Yeah, I, I can see there are a lot more B Corps now here in the UK and, and they're also expanding to Europe. So I, I think there's more to come through this movement. That's only good news. The, a few minutes ago, you were saying that you think that maybe ESG is, is becoming 
and maybe not forward thinking enough or not comprehensive enough. And would you say that the framework is itself just growing or how do you think businesses or yeah, those looking to make impact can take it beyond ESG? Uh, where do you see trends and opportunities there? Um, so I think there is a, a misconception in the industry, not necessarily shared by all, but quite a large number of people that ESG means you are having an impact. Um, and ESG is really a measure of risk. Uh, does the company adverse effects or potentially could have adverse effects on the environment, people or on or are there risks associated with the way the company is governed? Um, but it's not really impact. So these are firstly, I think, and this is something you'll see more and more at Munch, we are creating content specifically designed to create that clarity of how impact is different from ESG. Mm -hmm. And if someone wants to really have an impact, just investing in an ESG fund is not going to be enough. Mm -hmm. uh, first. Second, I think from an ESG perspective, uh, I think it's a good, good measure to start with. Um, but it, it will need to be developed a lot more. At the moment, um, with the way financial services works, uh, everything is quite competitive. You have to have you have to have some secret sauce that leverages your fund over some other fund. And what we're seeing is a rise of various ways through which ESG data is being cut and diced and presented to either present as unique or different or having some competitive advantage. Um, the reality is that in an impact scenario, uh, mm -hmm. That doesn't really um, work because it's mm -hmm. not a competitive lens through which uh, impact is looked at. I can't, it's not like I'm having more impact than you. The point is we need to <laughs> ensure that our money needs to go where um, impact needs to be had. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to, to compare impact. It's easy to compare profit to say I'm having more profit than, than and if I want, if I have a profit mind, I can say, okay, I would rather invest in that in that fund or that venture because it'll be more profitable if that's the lens through which I look. Uh, but if I'm also incorporating an impact lens, it's much harder to say, oh, it's more important to have impact on the climate than on the people. Um, mm. And these kind of relative scenarios um, are, are being built up, but I don't feel that they are complete enough yet. A lot more needs to go in into really understanding what issues to prioritize and, and how how do we allocate up, uh, capital towards issues that need prioritizing? And mm -hmm. the challenge is always going to be the demand for capital is going to be a lot more than the supply of capital. So mm -hmm. how do we ensure that the funding goes to where um, it, it can build systems? So at this point in time, as a business and as a intelligence data and a systems provider, we are really focused not on uh, comparing or benchmarking or saying one is better than the other. We are just interested in showing to our stakeholders the impact they're going to have. Mm -hmm. Is it going to take us towards meeting the SDGs? Is it going to take us away from meeting mm -hmm. the SDGs? Mm -hmm. From that, uh, and as more organizations partake in the system, we can start to see where the gaps are. And then it becomes easier to say, we need to invest here because this is needed. Right now, when the data sources are all disjointed, it's very hard to say, this is better than that. Mm -hmm. And so if ESGs, I mean, fundamentally are all about minimizing risk, are you then seeing that there's some genuine change towards, um, you know, real impact or is profit still the bottom line across? I think, uh, especially if you look at who is really using the ESG systems, it's largely listed organizations. Uh, they are required increasingly by law to report on their ESG risks. and. The challenge for these organizations is they are built on the on the architecture of profit and driving 
quarterly returns so that um, they become they become attractive for investment. And in the end, impact investing is not just about having an impact. It's also about making profit. So that delicate balance of how do you invest in enterprises that are actually good for the future um, mm. and, and also uh, invest in enterprises that are taking steps to change their internal systems so that they become fit for the future is where I think our focus needs to be. And, um, and are, you, are you referring to the fit for the future benchmarking? I think there are, lots, there are quite a few benchmarking systems. Fit for Future is one, the World Benchmarking Alliance is another. Um, I think there are lots of initiatives in this realm. Um, and I think it's good to just get um, get these initiatives going. And mm -hmm. at the same time, obviously, we need to make sure that we don't overwhelm the organizations in needing to report against different frameworks and systems, because then the whole task becomes around uh, reporting rather than actually doing the work that needs mm -hmm. to be done. And mm -hmm. I think organize, we, we do need to as society and uh, think about how we ensure we we coordinate in a way that we don't make systems too overwhelming. Mm. What, what kind of partners have you been working with then that you've been pleasantly surprised by or uh, those that you would say are making the biggest strides towards supporting sustainable development? Mm, that's a very good question. Uh, I would say uh, we we are, we are still scoping. We have a list of about 200 partners that we think um, are doing some amazing work in this space. I think uh, collaboration is easy to say and hard to do um, mm -hmm. uh, because every organization that's been out there, they have their theory of change and they want to see things done in a certain way. And collaboration works when what they are doing and what we are doing can create something more. So when you know the sum is more um, uh, than, or the sum is more than the whole, um, and um, so the kind of partnerships we are focused on right now are academic partnerships that can enable us to build and understand how uh, these systems are being researched and taught downstream, but also how can we build upstream connections through academic partners into corporates and into larger institutions where having the stamp of a reputed uh, academic organization can bring validation to mm. uh, our approach. So that's one, in part because we know that um, a, a system that is adopted by many um, can give us feedback on where our gaps are as a system. And what we want to really do uh, at this early stage of our business is to really get as much feedback as possible to understand where uh, we can still improve, where are mm -hmm. still gaps and how do we plug those gaps. So mm -hmm. we are interested in partnerships and we do have a few already um, with uh, networks of funds, networks of corporates, networks of charities and networks of funders. Um, and, um, and then the third kind of partnership is more sort of uh, working partnerships, so organizations that actually use our tools and and actually then give us insights on how we how we can make them better. Well, that's SDG seventeen right there, partnerships for the goals. So it's a cornerstone of everything that you that you want to do. And maybe then you touched on it just there. Um, the philanthropic side of the businesses, the charities, the networks of charities you said you're connected to. Um, what are the processes that you've that you've been employing, or you would like to work towards in the future to ensure that the capital you can connect from uh, one side can be directed towards trusted projects with uh, maximal impact. Yep, thank you. Uh, so COVID was, um, COVID-19 lockdown especially, was a great time for us to really understand the systemic challenges in the uh, charity sector. 
Uh, and one of the biggest challenge we saw during this time was charities that were doing some amazing on the ground work needed to go through due diligence. And one of the things we are working on and focused on uh, as priority this year and the next year is to create a um, due diligence panel that allows charities to see best practices or the key data sets any funder is going to ask and to generate, create them at a single digital place where they own their data. And we do the matchmaking. So whenever there is a, um, whenever they are eligible for a certain kind of fund, they can be matched instantly. And the funders know that the data that that is hosted on the Munch website, on the Munch platform, is something that they can trust. And they can create their own add-on criteria, which we build ongoingly on our dashboards. So charities have um, a regular system of updating their data sets in a way that we can really speed up the due diligence process and the funding process, therefore. So that's one, uh, which is the efficiency. And the second is the impact lens. So how do you know you're going to have an impact? And, and for this, we have our impact uh, panels on the dashboard where charities actually can create projects. And the, as they create their projects, we auto-generate their SDGs. It means the charities don't need to invest in people and staff and mm -hmm. additional resources in trying to understand their impact. We do it for them. And all they need to do is tell us what they're doing, how they're going to do it, and how much funding they need to do it, um, and what are the impact touch points of where the intervention will be. And based on that, uh, we generate the SDGs. When the SDG framework is replaced by a newer impact system, uh, this is the uh, we will be able to auto-populate the next system without losing the legacy records um, of the system itself. Oh, that's really smart. So just, I, I didn't realize or didn't consider how much work a charity must go through when it's different funders approving different funds and projects. And I, I never considered the work that must go into due diligence. If it's not a trusted partner that's funding you year on year or quarter or whatever, period after period, how else are you easing it for charities? What's What kind of requirements do they have to, to be a part of this platform? Is there a is there a payment process or is there a, yeah, what's the method for them onboarding in the platform? Yeah, uh, just, you know, on the first point you mentioned about the level of effort, the, the point is charities already do this um, and they do it to disparate parties at different times. They don't have a system where, where, where they can store and house this in a way that whoever is requiring it, they can send it to. So that's what we're creating is the architecture for them to hold their information in a way that it can be shared to the relevant parties. And um, the way they can join our platform is very simple. They literally, especially if they're a UK registered charity, uh, we've already built the API so that uh, we plug the data from the Charities Commission and it means they don't have to fill in the forms again. The data that's on the Charity Commission already comes onto their panel. Uh, so that's one. And then the second is um, they go through a KYC AML check through our payment provider. Um, um, where they can link their bank accounts, in part because we don't um, take any funding from funders. The funder funds the charities directly. Um, and then the third uh, is whenever they submit a project, we do a third layer of due diligence on the project itself to look that the project aligns overall with um, the organization. And um, we're going to uh, publish some of that criteria over the coming weeks online so that it's very easy for charities to see how they fit in and 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 the steps for them to follow but even at this point in time there is enough information on the sites for charities to just go and and start playing around with the systems mm -hmm. in terms of charge charges we don't charge them uh, um, to sign up on the platform or use the platform um, at this point in time we um, 
we are charging a small uh, uh, transaction fee if they raise mm -hmm. funds online. Uh, but this is changing in the new year where they will only pay a flat subscription fee, which will be very small. And we're going to open up the platform to uh, glo globally to all charities to use mm -hmm. and, okay. and not so much focused on the fundraising, but focused primarily on the impact assessment and the due diligence mm -hmm. at a very low cost. And is the subscription fee um, the same across all charity sizes? It's just, it's just a flat rate? Yeah. Yeah. And if they obviously use more advanced features, they can pay mm. more. But uh, at the, the start point is going to be the same for all charities. Okay. Awesome. So I am, I'm actually fundraising for a charity at the moment in, uh, in Oban, up on the west coast of Scotland. And they're a whale and dolphin conservation trust. Um, we've actually got loads of uh, whales and dolphins here that you might not, or most people don't know about, killer whales and mink whales and all sorts. So for an understanding, if, if they wanted to get on the platform, it's, it's, on a, it's on a project basis that they could sign up for funding? Or would it also be core funding, you could say that the charity has free reigns to use? Yeah, so the platform is designed to be flexible. So, and that's why we call it project. So the project could be for core funding. Mm. Uh, also, if they are raising money for, let's say, a particular project, they can apportion a part of the core funding to the specific conservation initiative. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and the system is quite easy. It allows them to add their numbers, but then they can also see how it will show to funders so that they mm. know what they are raising for is accurately described. Um, right, right, okay. Yeah. So both yeah, core or we need a new research yeah. vessel to go out for the next two years. Exactly. Collect mm -hmm. data and so forth. Yeah. Fantastic. Cool. Well, I think that's quite um, yeah, quite simple that charities listening in can really find out a lot on your website. Um, and yeah, if there's more questions to be had, that's quite easy to to reach out to people in the team. Um, and yeah, I've had really nice experiences with your team and being able to to contact communicate with people. Um, so definitely for anyone listening in to, to be aware of. And yeah, I'm just wondering as some sort of last thoughts um, or last comments, if you yeah, if you had any any words to share on on a positive note of maybe where you see impact investment going and impact projects going and um, yeah, are there any trends or nice or nice uh, nice ends that you'd like to share? Sure. Uh, in my view, I I, I always think that um, investment world is very similar to human world, and we we all know the Maslow's needs hierarchy. We need to take care of our basics, and once our basics are taken care of, we can evolve into higher needs. And once those higher needs are taken care of, we become more inclusive, and we start looking at how can we help others. And I think the same uh, principle applies in an investing context and in an invest impact investing um, ecosystem. Uh, at this point in time, the terms are fantastic, they're needed, uh, but at the same time, the underlying systems, the underlying basis on which impact investing happens mm. um, is operationally not, not yet the most efficient. And, and first, those basic needs need to be solved. How do we bring efficiency into systems? Mm. Once you bring efficiency and operationally, uh, people are released from needing to fill reports and and um, and trying to pull data which does not exist and have to rack their brain. If someone's done that thinking for them, mm -hmm. then they can evolve to releasing their uh, minds to think more strategically. Or oh, now creatively, we can address mm -hmm. this challenge. We have a supply chain risk or an issue and over the next five years we can actually change our systems and our underlying operations to ensure that we are our supply chains are clean for example um so i that's how i see the evolution of the impact investing happening and uh and on a positive note i feel that uh, there the fact that any transformational journey begins with awareness and the fact that 
the leading newspapers, the leading investing organizations are talking about um, that systems are not efficient and we need to invest in making sure that they do, um, that's when the real journey to transformation begins. Um, uh, as long as we keep denying it, we're not mm -hmm. going to fix mm -hmm. it. So the fact that we are acknowledging it, the fact that we are speaking about it um, and collaborating around it um, creates the right uh, electromagnetic field mm -hmm. for the change mm -hmm. to happen and <laughs> for us to go into the next level of who we are meant to be. Amazing. Thank you very much. And, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about uh, the work that you're doing and, and yeah, the vision of Manch. And I, I'm going to put lots of notes in uh, the description below for anyone who wants to find out more. But uh, otherwise, I hope you have a really nice Monday, really nice week. And uh, yeah, best of luck with, with everything going forward. Thank you, James. I look forward to seeing um, Munch preserving whales and dolphins on the West Coast. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> we'll, have you, we'll have them on the front page. <laughs> Looking forward. Super. Great. All right. Have a good Thank one. Bye. Thanks for listening to the STG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. Please share and follow SCG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash and United Nations community. The goal of SDG Talks is to bring you value. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on SDG Talks.